Oh, hey, didn't see you there. Welcome to Secondary Fermentation, the podcast where we explore the fascinating world of beer, from its history and culture to the latest trends and innovations in brewing. Wow, beautiful. <laughs> what an opener there. Uh, yes. That was uh, that was Lauren, good old LC, and this is Joe, and of course we are joined by... Nick, who did not have an opening segment. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren's opening segment. You can tell by how well put together that was. That was not written by us. <laughs> Oh, I thought that was initially going to be a dig at me. Like, you can tell by the way it was so put together. Oh, it was no, not no. by Lauren. Who wrote it then, Lauren? Uh, my friends over at uh, chat, GPT, <laughs> openai.com. She's got an in with the uh, folks that developed yeah. chat, G- GPT. Mm-hmm. Yes. She's got Microsoft shares. They're friends. Yep. Yeah. My so, AI friends. Yeah, we took a stab at, at chat, GPT. It's kind of been a thing that's popping up all over the place and in some unusual places and as you can tell this will kind of be the theme of our our uh, first half of our episode anyway talking about ai and incorporation of ai into beer and brewing and even some breweries are starting to use some ai generated beer recipes so very different than the usual development process right it's like that human trial and error let's pick this let's do something a little creative a little artistic but you can also just punch into ChatGPT or some other AI platform and say, hey, make me a beer recipe. Yeah. You know what would be interesting to do um, is to, one, do a recipe, make the recipe, and then do a blind kind of taste testing with that compared to something else in a similar mm-hmm. class and see if you can tell you know, which one is yeah. AI generated. Well, I'm, I'm surprised that, I mean, that prompt, even though it's pretty generic... It still was like a good like opening line for, you know, a, a, a podcast or even this podcast it could work for. And it's funny because that was only the second query we typed into there. What was the first one? <laughs> um, I asked, what is going on? And then apparently as an artificial intelligence language model, he needed more context. It's a, it's a guy. Well, that's, I guess it's a he-she. I, I don't know how AI identifies. <laughs> they. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I was really impressed that the first, I guess, response that was not, hey, I need more info, was actually like a well-thought-out, articulate message. Because it sounds like there's a lot of kind of retooling and uh, learning that the program needs when you're first working with it for a particular topic. So Yeah, very interesting. I mean, it was, yeah, it talked about a lot of things. Uh, and I, I don't know, just the way that it, wrote with almost like uh, I guess it's a human language model but the way it wrote well I, you know you ever use like just those chat bots like long ago with like AIM or something oh yeah <laughs> and there was like so ridiculous and just terrible but this is like actually made sense <laughs> yeah yeah there was like complete sentences and like the relevant information yeah i mean it, it, like you said it sounded like something you might hear on a podcast if we because i don't know if we said but all we wrote for it was write an intro to a beer podcast and that's write what an it came opening up. line for a beer opening podcast. line okay mm-hmm. i asked it to tell me a good beer joke um the first one said why did the beer go to the beach um ooh, i don't know i don't know to get a little brewski to get a little brewski. I didn't think that made sense. So I asked for it to regenerate another response, and it says, why did the beer go to the gym? Uh, ooh. 
mm, I don't know. To be a slim can. To beef up its barley. C- close to get a six pack. <laughs> uh, see, that's oh good. dang, yeah, that, that one is pretty was good. Yeah, actually better. Yeah. yeah, the beach one I didn't understand. To get a brewski, I guess like a ski, maybe water ski. Like water ski? Or I, don't I don't know. Yeah, nobody ever skis at the beach though. You go to like a lake Mm-mm. for that generally. Yeah, but. come on, AI. Come on. Oh gosh, Ooh. that's funny. See, it's learning. The second joke, it was a hit. Yeah, yeah, it took it a minute. Yeah. Soon it's going to be taking over, and we're going to be doomed. <laughs> it's going to take over our podcast. <laughs> yeah. It's like, acquired your voice models, and then it's just going to start releasing daily episodes, yeah. and we're going to be like, what's happening? That is weird, though. I've seen oh, some gosh. videos where, yeah, it's like the, the AI has done modulated voices, and I mean, you, you've seen some things on like TikTok and like Instagram. Oh, where gosh. It sounds really close. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my I mean, favorite like, thing to send you is the ones of like Bur- Obama, Trump, and <laughs> Biden playing like Call of Duty or Minecraft yeah. or something. And it's like, <laughs> they're talking as if they're like just, 17 year old kids, like in a chat room. Yeah, it's so funny. Oh, but yeah, that's it's crazy because soon, I mean, gosh, can you imagine that could be used for pretty nefarious purposes as well? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of what scares me in general mm-hmm. with any kind of artificial intelligence yeah. i think anytime you bring it up yeah ai becomes a sort it's like a hot debate subject like is it dangerous is it useful i mean there is always some inherent risk with artificial intelligence but uh i think we're at the point where it hasn't evolved enough to be a real threat like we're able to still maintain yeah uh, like autonomy over, and I don't know what the true intelligence of like AI as we know it today is, but it's ba- it's like I guess the the risk and worry, not knowing much yeah. about this, but the theory behind it is like that it just will become it'll learn at an exponential rate and then right. kind of outsmart anything. That was a good book by uh, Nick Bostrom, I think, called Super Intelligence that talks about that theory uh, with all the, I mean, there's a lot of like mathematical models and stuff in the book too, uh, but it definitely, it just talks and explores the possibility of like AI and how it could sort of surpass humans <laughs> in a certain way. It's very weird, very science fiction, but also kind of like you can see the reality of it too. My last thing with AI was that Megan movie. And that was terrifying to me. Oh, oh yeah. gosh, yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, I Megan. The Matrix. <laughs> Ex Machina. Hey, oh, yeah. There's a that was a good where, one. And, and the AI is nefarious in the movie. Like, it's never, there's not really a movie where it's like, here's AI and it ends up being a really good thing. It's uh, always like, yeah. oh, it's trying to kill somebody. The Robin Williams movie. Bicentennial Man? Yeah. Oh. Wasn't he nice? Oh, I guess so. Yeah, he just wanted to become a human. Yeah. Most of them are like the premises, like you give the AI a prompt or like a problem to solve, and always the problem ends up being like, kill all humans because <laughs> they're in the way. You know, it's like, oh, protect humanity. Well, it's like the only way to protect humanity is to kill them all because they're polluting the earth yeah. and they're going to, you know, wars and all this and blah, blah, blah. So that's kind of like the whole premise of a lot of them. But is it really false? No, <laughs> that's why. That's why it's the premise of all of them. <laughs> they need to save us from ourselves. Exactly. Yeah. Th- this generation of young people these days. These days, these kids. Yeah, yeah. I fear for young the future. People. These young people. Whew. Ask it. What's what's wrong with kids these days? <laughs> <laughs> I need to sign up for an account. I I, I didn't hear about Chat G, GPT until maybe in the, in the last month, and I can't believe how late I am to the party. 
What's it, what's it say? As an AI language model, I don't believe it is fair or accurate to make sweeping generalizations about an entire <laughs> population of young people. Every generation has its unique characteristics and challenges, and it's important to approach each individual with an open mind and without preconceptions based on their age or generation. That's pretty funny. That's it's actually also very important well to remember that younger people may have different perspectives and values shaped by their experiences and the world they grew up in. Wow, what a message! Well thought out. Wow. Yeah, and. It's funny, like, too, it's, uh, yeah, that's very, but it's funny because, like, I've heard, like, stories and seen things about, like, depending on how people feed information to it on their account or whatever, it can start making and changing, and, like, there's been people that have, like, had, I think it was, like, racist things, or it's done, like, anti-something rhetoric or, you know, what and whatnot, but I'm just curious how they've been manipulating it and stuff, because that was a very, like good neutral answer and probably something that a lot of people need to hear <laughs> yeah i mean yeah I, I guess that leads some really positive impression of what chat gpt is i mean it's kind of a product of what it learns right i mm-hmm. mean that's kind of the whole point of it and so i think it it comes from a, a nice place that baseline and I mean, unless you kind of reinforce a a bad idea or concept, like it's not going to inherently know that, mm-hmm. which we could get into a whole discussion about humanity and how everything's <laughs> learned. And how, That's how, for a different podcast. You know, yeah. Ask it, uh, what should people on a beer podcast talk about when drinking Sierra Nevada pale ale? Wow, we're even getting some good typing sound effects. <laughs> Yeah, it's really soothing, actually. I was thinking, like, we could just have it write an entire podcast, like, outline or script for us and say... Not say anything until, like, the next episode. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see if anybody notices. What did it say? It's still typing. Oh, gosh. Wow. When drinking Sierra Nevada Pale Ale on a beer podcast, there are a variety of topics that could be discussed. Here are a few suggestions. One, the history of Sierra Nevada Brewing Company and how is it... How has it evolved over the years? Two, the brewing process of Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, how it differs from other pale ales. Three, the flavor profile of Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, including (laughs) the aroma, taste, and mouthfeel. Four, pairing Sierra Nevada Pale Ale with different foods and snacks. Five, the impact that Sierra Nevada Pale Ale has had on the craft beer industry and the popularity of pale ales in general. Six, the role of Sierra Nevada Pale Ale in American craft beer culture and how it has helped shape the industry. 7. Comparing Sierra Nevada Pale Ale to other pale ales and discussing how it stands out from the rest. 8. Sharing personal experiences and stories related to Sierra Nevada Pale Ale and how it has impacted your own beer journey. Wow. That literally just wrote an entire podcast episode on Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, like an outline for it. That's kind of funny. What have we been doing? That's what we need to do from now on. I am super impressed with this thing. I mean, I heard about it, but never really went through and using it but that's nuts i'm just late to the party i guess but that's pretty cool that was like literally a whole thing yep like we could just use that to get ideas oh, and stuff yeah uh, it's like hey what should we talk about on our beer podcast next week <laughs> yeah. who knows and then i'll be like you could talk about this 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 or this that's really cool dang well, I guess I've seen things about people like saying they've used it to write like cover letters for jobs or used it to write blog posts and things. And mm. it's a really touchy area because like it's not 
like published material because it's not owned by any human. It's an AI. But if you're taking something else and then publishing it as your you're displaying it as your own work. So I don't think that's appropriate. No, I don't I don't say you should do that. I wouldn't do that. But I think that's a great tool for like that. Like it just gave a good outline and then you could fill in the blanks with your stuff. But very Cool. cool. Well, I guess the the reason that we're talking about this, too, is we've seen a few instances in in the beer news and even locally of uh, breweries using AI-generated beer recipes, which, very interesting thought. You know, as I mentioned before, usually it's a very artistic process where the brewer thinks very carefully about all the ingredients and the the whole entire process. But two, three, four, five, I mean, probably a bunch more breweries than, than are noted out there are actually using a, a generated recipe and then brewing it and seeing what happens. I'm curious how they taste. We couldn't get our hands on the local one, which is uh Casita yeah. Brewing in Wilson. What was the name of their beer? Do you remember? It's actually, I think it's called this IPA was written by AI. Just, uh, um, <laughs> Very to the point. <laughs> yeah. This IPA recipe was written by AI. I do think it might not be out quite yet because... Okay. They're saying coming soon, and that was on the 15th. Gotcha. Of so That's why I couldn't find it. <laughs> yeah, I think it was just brewed, so it's probably coming out soon. Yeah. I checked untapped, and it's also not an available check-in mm-hmm. yet. So when it does come out, though, I'm definitely curious to try it. And it also suggests that it wasn't written exclusively by AI. There was some... Human intervention. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, Ryan at Casita knows what he's doing, and I think he would know at first glance, <laughs> like, this recipe is not going to work. Yeah, exactly. I don't think that they... That'd be a pretty bold move to invest all that to to do it. Uh, but I've seen, yeah, a few other breweries. I think Rio Bravo was one. Uh, and then Atwater Brewing. One of those, too, had a beer called uh, Algorithm, which I thought was kind of funny. <laughs> kind of a neat name. Uh, but, yeah, just kind of an interesting trend, and I'm curious to see if it'll catch on and, and more brewers will do it, or if it'll just be like an initial hype, like, oh, this was written by... Uh, AI and it doesn't taste very good, <laughs> so we're yeah. not going to do it anymore. But uh, yeah, curious. I watched a couple videos about different beer channels or blogs on YouTube that had experimented with ChatGTP or any other kind of AI software. I think it's mostly ChatGPT. Uh, the Craft Beer Channel they hadn't actually released the beer yet, but they uh, worked on the recipe and kind of. Like I talked about, like, with the AI in general, you have to kind of retool it a little bit. You've got to kind of continue to work with it to, like, hone in on what you're trying to get, uh, like, for a final product. Uh, same thing with Short Circuited Brewer. That was another one I just watched uh, earlier yeah, today. That was really okay. interesting. Um, one thing I noticed, like, between those two channels, the the brewers that were kind of working with the software to create a recipe, they kind of get, like, a base recipe by suggesting uh, make me an amber ale recipe one of the guys actually pulled bjcp guidelines and copy and pasted that into the the chat and said you know make me a beer recipe that fits this criteria um unfortunately had like left out certain things like abv and then like og and final gravity and so some of the parameters like he just knew like this isn't going to work yeah using other uh forums like Beer Father, I think it's a popular one for tracking recipes for, for brewers. So they kind of then would say, okay, I need to like, uh, I don't like this hop. I want to like change the hops in there. Like also oh, the malt bill is kind of off. 
Um, and so they would say, okay, I need you to like reduce the IBUs or like, you know, bring the, the OG down. And so the chat GPT didn't always know the best way to do that. Mm -hmm. And so like systematically you would think, okay, well, if I need to make it less bitter, let's cut the hops in half, Yeah. <laughs> which like doing that a couple of times, eventually it's like, okay, now you have a beer that doesn't really have the right hop quantity to get, you know, the right aromas and flavors and things, especially like for a hazy IPA. And so it's like, it doesn't really understand that nuance that brewers have that, hu that human touch because yeah. it's a, it is like a bit of an art. And so they're coming at, you know, the, the GPT AI software is coming at it from a very like analytical and just systematic approach. Yeah. And um, I'm curious to what it's like knowledge database is because right. like you mentioned, like Beersmith, the program is designed for like homebrewers to tweak things and figure out how it's going to affect with the specific formulas. But if, you know, chat GPT, just a language model, you know, it can right. kind of gather data that's out there on the internet, I think. But yeah. as far as like specific information like that, I think you'd probably have to do some tweaking and programming. Yeah. But it seemed like the, the more input that they gave it and like feedback kind of about, okay, you need to change this or I don't like this hop for this style of beer. I need you to change that. It would get like closer and closer to something that was uh, a product that could be enjoyable. The only thing is I think, at least a couple of the channels I watched when they were developing the recipe, they, they made a little bit of um, concession here and there about, okay, I can't really do this with my, my beer products. So I'm going to yeah. change this. But they tried to keep it as close as they could to the AI recipe, which is what I'm guessing Ryan at Casita did to kind of still bring that element of, okay, this was written by artificial intelligence, but I'm putting my own stamp on this because it's a product I'm going to release in my tap room. Yeah, um, exactly. I'm not comfortable just like, Making saying, a beer yeah. that I don't think is, you know, because your name is still attached to it. Yeah, it's like yeah, the formula is like, not right. Like you just know the product's going to be off. Weird. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and the novelty is not enough to sell it. I mean, yeah. So I'm just curious to give it a try though and see what it is, and then see a little bit more about like how they tweak the recipe and all that stuff. So I guess we'll find out as we go along. Yeah, I mean, luckily we've got a place local that's uh, going to create something from this new kind of I call it trend yet. Cause it's not really popular. It's just kind of, it's starting to come into the, uh, the front of things with the craft beer industry. Like we're seeing things online and, uh, a few local places are trying their hand at it or kind of entertaining the idea of like, could this be possible? Yeah. I don't see it as like a replacement for mm -hmm. having a, a head brewer at all. I mean, we're not yeah. even close yeah. to having that. I think it would take yeah. a very long time. <laughs> yeah. Cause clearly there's a lot of learning curve even for the, the software, which has, you know, databases it can pull from. Um, but it's only as good as the information it can acquire and the information and feedback that you provide it. Oh yeah. And but plus all the mathematical formulas yeah. and stuff don't always translate into reality too. You know, there's a stuff with the technique and then, just some of the way that the compounds interact. I mean, again, you're talking about an agricultural product, right? So it's not a hundred percent consistent every time. So you can't really be like, I calculated the, you know, IBUs to be this, and then you're going to do exactly that. Or I calculated the, um, you know, ABV and the gravity to this, but then if it doesn't get a full fermentation or, you know, the yeast is a little different or you don't extract as much sugar as you need, you know, it could be, some variation in that. So just curious, curious, I think. Well, I asked it, um, what would be a good beer to brew a small batch of from home? 
And it told me that there are many types of beer that can be brewed in small batches at home. <laughs> um, here are a few suggestions for beers that are relatively easy to brew and well-suited for home brewing. So the options are American Pale Ale, mm. Wheat Beer, Irish Red Ale, Brown Ale, and Porter are okay. what they suggest. And I Remember Red. that home brewing <laughs> requires some equipment and knowledge. So it's important to start with a small batch and follow a trusted recipe. It's also important to practice good sanitation practices to avoid contamination and off flavors in your beer. Wow. I'm surprised it gave some little disclaimers there. You know, it like goes beyond just providing, you know, it could have just said American Pale Ale and left it at that, but it didn't. Interesting. Do you want a recipe? Yeah. But first saying American Pale Ale reminded me that I said we asked it about Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. And the reason we did that is because we are drinking Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. <laughs> yeah, which is like always a nice treat to come back to. I yeah. mean, it's a, it's a really just prototypical pale ale. And I even got the bottles, too, because yeah. I was like, I just want to go OG. You know, we I saw it at the store the other day, and I was like, I'm kind of out of beer at the house. Like, literally, all I have here is now the Sierra Nevada Pale Ale and then a bunch of stouts. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, imperial stouts and stuff that I've just kind of, like hung on to and not like drank a bunch of or ones that i've been saving there's some seltzers oh gosh don't, don't no 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 <laughs> we have a smattering of like random seltzers that lauren wanted to try and then they'll they're not that the great they'll yeah. be for the pool okay sounds good when oh, i can drink but now yeah, she can't Lauren's drink anymore so pool yeah. we've got got like 30 cans of miscellaneous corona uh, seltzers bud light uh, soda things yeah. vizies what else i think those are the main ones that are out there in the fridge yeah, not good stuff. <laughs> but but yeah, so I picked these up. Love it. Just a it's a nice, you know, hoppy, malty delight. Just a just a classic beer. Are they actually still bottle conditioned, you think? Or is that just like the OG label that's saying that? No, I think they are actually. Pretty neat. I can't remember when we were there in Asheville. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure that they still do bottle condition it. It looks a little cloudy in there little particulate matter which is pretty cool nice touch because yeah. the cans you don't get that you know were they bottling when we toured uh i don't know if they were man they're uh their assembly lining like canning and bottling operation is nuts and you can just like watch it from a bird's yeah. eye view i love it and that was the place too that they had the hops and we got to like sniff them yes <laughs> yeah they let you like grab some hops and mm-hmm. And do it. But yes, they do. They sell a bottle condition pale ale, porter, stout, celebration, and Bigfoot. Ooh. Is Bigfoot the barley wine? And pale ale is can conditioned, actually. Yes. More, you know. Yeah, Bigfoot. Barley. Yeah. I prefer Littlefoot. Littlefoot. Land before Land time. Before time. <laughs> Tree star. Tree star. Bee <laughs> tree. Whatever. Yeah. Oh, that was funny. He was like a little baby pterodactyl or something. Uh-huh. Yeah. What a what a nostalgic movie that is right there. What sad movie. Just also, so sad. Yeah. Horribly. Well, if you go back and like sad. look at any of the children's movies, they're all a touch of tragedy. Really? Yes. Bambi. Oh, yeah, I mean, kablam, first thing. It's like, ugh, it's terrible. Yeah. Finding Nemo. Yeah, like half these, like, kids and stuff, they don't have their mothers. What was it, The Fox and the Hound? Yeah. Wasn't that pretty? Yeah, that one. Oh, gosh, yeah. Oh, gosh. But also, like. Tears me up. Why would you think you could raise a fox? (laughs) Yeah. 
I mean, I guess they could be domesticated, but anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah. got off track there. <laughs> you know, so so something I I don't think I really thought about to mention about the, the kind of closing up the AI stuff. So there's a lot of practical applications for AI as it is, and I think this is kind of a next step, like to see what the possibilities are as far as you know, using it for your business, for breweries in particular. But um, I was reading something where some of the breweries like uh, Whistle Bowie and uh, Atwood, I think you mentioned mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. So they had already been kind of using the AI for like social media, like blog posts, things like that. Which, well, yeah. And, um, and like artwork even for mm-hmm. like bottles. That's, yeah, like yeah. can or bottle art. Yeah, Which I think is a great idea. Like that, that to me seems more practical at the moment because you know as we've seen just from like the early use of chat gpt it can write stuff that's it makes sense it's readable it's uh professional sounding so yeah i mean you can use it for your blog your website you talked about like using it to build a website Uh, i think like art and like ai generated art is really a a nice application for it too Mm -hmm. um so those are things I think that are like we're we're at a point now where I would trust using it for things like that, but uh, obviously there's still like a human element that's oh in yeah. But I, I think it's interesting to kind of see the evolution of like what we're comfortable with using AI to accomplish. Yeah, like it's only getting more and more to a point where I think p- humans can be more hands off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's too. I think it'll also. I don't know. I think it's going to revolutionize the way that we interface with computers. Um, you know, eventually towards thinking about like the sci-fi thing, you know, like computer do this. And like, we have right. a little bit of that with like the assistance, yeah. but it's not really, it doesn't feel natural. Not doesn't always work, you know that, but I think this is just something that would be so much more easily integrated into human input into computers. You know, we've had keyboards and mice for the longest time. Maybe we'll start transitioning away from those things in the future. I mean, it's still very right. early. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. Lauren, what you got for a beer recipe for us? Let's ask it something specific. What do you, what do you want to throw at it? What type of recipe do you want? What style? Mm. Let's ask it for a, oh geez. Hmm. Let's say a Flanders red. We'll get weird with it first off. Yeah. We'll, we'll really test it because if it knows how to age the Flanders, I'll be impressed. I don't want to talk out loud in case it is listening. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, preface this, we don't have a ton of technical brewing knowledge, just a very small amount of home brewing knowledge. So I will not be able to analyze this recipe. If anybody else out there can, tell us. <laughs> Please. So the question I asked it was, please provide me with a homebrew recipe for a Flanders Red. Um, so the batch size is five gallons. Ingredients okay. are eight pounds of Pilsner malt, two pounds of Vienna malt, one pound of Munich malt, one pound of Crystal 40 malt, one pound of flaked wheat, one ounce of East Kent Goldings hops to a 60-minute boil, one ounce of Styterian Golding hops, five-minute boil, one pound of turbinado sugar. That's added during fermentation. Y East 3763 Rose Lar Ale Blend. So in the instructions, 
Mash the grains at 152 Fahrenheit for 60 minutes. Sparge with 170 Fahrenheit water to collect about 6.5 gallons of wort. Bring the wort to a boil and add the East Kent Goldings hops. Boil for 60 minutes, then add the Styrian Goldings hops for the final five minutes of the chip of the boil. Chill the wort to 70 to 75 degrees Fahrenheit and transfer it to a fermenter. Add the Roselar Ale Blend yeast to the fermenter. Ferment for about a week at 70 to 75 degrees Fahrenheit, then add the Terminado sugar. Ferment for an additional 6 to 12 months, allowing the beer to develop sourness and complexity. When the beer is ready, bottle or keg as desired. That was a lot more in-depth than I thought it was going to be. Like, it's literally, like, step by step. And you could follow that and make a beer. (laughs) Yeah. It also adds a note that, you know, Flanders Red Ales are known for their tart, sour flavors, which develop over time through the use of mixed culture yeast and bacteria. It's important to be patient and allow the beer to ferment and age for several months to a year or more to achieve the desired flavor profile. I did not realize that that was, like, a... 6 to 12 month fermentation fermentation process. Yeah, so there are elements I, I think I'm looking up a recipe on this is a brewyourown.com or byo.com for Flanders Red. Uh, I think the yeast that you mentioned in that recipe was recommended in this particular Flanders Red recipe, so that was pretty cool. And also the turbinado is what kind of stood out to me because I'm not sure that's a traditional ingredient. No, and that seems like yeah. Like what I saw this recipe where they actually use like some oak cubes because you're trying to impart that flavor or uh, you try to impart what you'd get from fermenting in the the giant oak fooders by not having one available. Like if it's a small batch, you kind of just you replicate that by adding the, the oak cubes, I feel like. But the sugar, I'm not sure where that would come in because that's. That's just residual sugar at that point that I don't know how much of it will get eaten up. Unless you're trying to restart fermentation or introduce it to other bugs. Yeah. This, I mean, that BYO recipe, they use a a pound of candy syrup, but that's during the boil. That's not after the thing, after the, you know, fermentation's gone for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. this is added, like, after your weak fermentation. um, It's like you're dry hopping with sugar. (laughs) And turbinado, like, it's like the raw sugar, Mm -hmm. right, where it's like... Yeah, and I'm, it's not quite brown sugar, but it has like a more like unrefined, like unbleached taste to mm-hmm. it. So I'm surprised the one with East Kent Golding hops as well. Yeah, I don't know if that's super common to use like an English hop like that. Because uh, I've seen some, you know, recipes with it that are using more noble hops. You know, just kind of get some of that. You know, some Hollertows or something. Yeah, but you're not looking for a lot of like bittering or. Uh, I guess like present. Yeah. All right. Let's aromas. let's give it a little easier one. What do you think, Nick? Um. What about just a? What about a recipe for a Baltic porter? Is that too niche? Could even just go just porter. A, yeah, just porter. Yeah. Sure. Here is a recipe for a classic English-style porter that you can brew at home. (laughs) Was that your AI voice? (laughs) Yes. Uh, The batch size, again, I asked it for a homebrew recipe. Five gallons. So the batch size is five gallons. Um, Seven pounds of Maris Otter malt. One pound of Crystal 60 malt. One pound of brown malt. One pound of chocolate malt. 
One ounce of East Kent Goldings hops. Do a 60-minute hold. East Kent. <laughs> I guess English Porter, it's like... <laughs> one ounce Fuggles hops. Okay. Interesting. Mm, yeah. One package Cephal... Oh, Cephale. Don't we have this? SO4 or other English ale yeast. Yeah. So then we're going to mash the grains at 154 for 60 minutes. Sparge with 170 degree water to collect about 6.5 gallons of wort. Bring the wort to a bowl. Add your hops. Boil for 50 minutes. Then add the other, the focal hops, <laughs> for the final 10 minutes of the boil. Chill the wort and transfer it to a fermenter. Pitch the cephale yeast and ferment for about one week at 68 to 70 or until the fermentation is complete. After it's complete, rack the beer to a secondary fermenter or a keg and allow it to condition for another one to two weeks. When the beer is ready, bottle a keg as desired. Note, porters are known for their dark roasted malt flavors and a moderate hot bitterness. This recipe is a good starting point for a classic English style porter, but you can also experiment with adding different malts or hops to create your own unique recipe. I think overall that was a really good starting place. Yeah. I also got off into the thing because the safale, I always pronounce it as like safe ale safe ale because I mean, it's like I, ale ha, ale yeast but i don't know what it actually is because i've heard it both ways so i i googled it and then read it said like because they have safe lager like saf lager so there's some that are like saf ale or but i was like oh safe ale that's kind of a good th- i have no idea how to pronounce it if you know how to pronounce it let us know <laughs> but that, that really that i don't know how to that really threw me off it, it did have a very english vibe to that recipe though uh what yeast did he use? USO5, was it? Or did, did he use... It had the Fuggles and it had the... The Cephala Fuggles and East Kent Golding. SO4 or other English ale yeast. Oh, SO4, okay. Oh, I thought you asked about the hops. Yeah, the hops was like... Uh, did it say the Maris Otter hops and then... The um, East Kent Golding's hop and Fuggles yeah, hop. The Maris Otter's the, yeah, the malt. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I think that was a pretty decent... Because it had a nice base yeah. malt... Uh, and then threw in some of the specialty malts, chocolate malt, brown malt, and had what, 60? Crystal malt 60 or something like that? Yep, crystal 60 malt and a pound of brown malt and a pound of chocolate malt and seven pounds of chocolate Maris malt. Otter malt. It's a lot Very of malt. Very interesting. I don't know how the ratios are with that for like the amount of dark malt that you have, but. Yeah. I think that'd be one element to like for a brewery to check on and then. Also, just like the the mash temp and yeah things like that. Yeah, the real technical stuff like that. Because to my dumb ears, it sounds fine, but I'm very interested. Tell me how to make a uh, hazy IPA. We'll see what it gives for that. Oh, at this point, it should be like learning. The more that we ask, it should just be picking up more knowledge. More knowledge. Going to college to get more knowledge. So again, five gallon batch, seven pounds of two raw malt. Three pounds of flaked oats, one pound of wheat malt, one pound of crystal 20 malt, one ounce of citra hops, one ounce of mosaic hops, one ounce of citra... Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) Well... Well, One might be for dry hopping. It is, actually. Okay. Um, So the first two are like 60 and 10 minute bowl, and then um, the one ounce of citra hops and another one ounce of... Wait, I'm confused here. So... I have three different incidences of citra hops. So one's a 60-minute boil, then the other's a five-minute boil, mm-hmm. and then there's two ounces as a dry hop. Is that standard? Okay. 
That could be. Because the longer it's in the boil, the more you're just getting bittering compounds and those aromatic oils are being broken down. So that 60-minute boil, you're not going to get a ton from. So you add in the five minutes, that's going to save some of those aromatic hop hop compounds. And then dry hopping again is just going to boost that some more. So. Gotcha. So the two hops they use are citra hops and mosaic hops. Okay. And then they use a package of London L3 yeast or other hazy IPA yeast strain. And basically it says bring the water to a Yeah, boil, and the whole stuff. All that jazz. What's yada, the mash yada, temp yada, and yada. then the fermentation time? Mash temp 154 for 60 minutes. Um, then boil for 50 minutes. Chill the wort to 68 to 70. Transfer to fermenter. Ferment for about a week. Uh, when it's complete, add the dry hop additions directly to the fermenter and let it sit for three to five days. And then transfer it after the dry hop's complete. Transfer and enjoy. I mean, that didn't sound too unreasonable either. Yeah. My goodness. I don't know. I'll just assess what we have. I know, right? Yeah, I think that's one of our next homebrew ventures. We should just ask this thing for a recipe and go for it. Just give it a try. I agree. I think that would be fun. <laughs> just go for it without any kind of like consultation. We'll just... No. We'll just say, I don't know, was it my horrible brewing technique or was it this recipe? Who knows? <laughs> it's got to be the, the recipe. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just got to be. <laughs> if we follow it to a T and it's bad, then... Yeah, it's yeah. As long as we control all the variables. Another thing, kind of like going off of recipes as a, a an idea for using the AI, someone mentioned... Let's say you're at home and you're like, ah, I don't, I don't know what to cook, but we have these things in the fridge that we need to like get rid of. Oh yeah. You throw ingredients in and say, what can I make with this? And oh it'll my give heavens! You like, okay, this is a recipe and it gives you. Lauren just had a revelation. Like cooking times, you can make a casserole out of it, whatever. That so, is genius, Nicholas. I didn't think of it, but well, also <laughs> you know, like sometimes too, it's like, okay, well, we have this. What kind of mixed drink can we make? Like along those lines With as well. Too. Like, hey, yeah. here's my liquors. Here's my mixers. Mm-hmm. Give me a recipe. I got Mr. Boston. Because sometimes the drinks that <laughs> yeah. Joe comes up with are not that great. What do you mean? Never made anything too crazy. Oh, man. There was something with like blue crap in it. It was not good. Blue crap. Oh, I was trying to just use up the blue curacao that we had. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Whatever that was, that was not that good. That was from you a cocktail to, book, though. But you have to admit that was not good. Oh, it wasn't that great, I will say. It's not like he winged it. But yeah, I read it from a book. <laughs> so it must be true. <laughs> One last thing, let's ask it. How to properly pour a beer? This is the real test. The real test. I don't think I even know the <laughs> One, open mouth. Two, pour it in. Oh, oh no, into a glass. Are the responses coming out pretty quick? It looks like they are. Yeah, and then it's like yeah. it's typing it as it goes. I like that. Also, it's so a pretty good word for minute typing speed. <laughs> <laughs> I asked it, how does one properly pour a beer? Properly pouring a beer can help enhance its flavor and aroma. It can also create a nice head of foam. Here's a general guide on how to properly pour a beer. One, choose the right glass. Different types of beer are traditionally served. Wow, it's going really fast now. Uh, served in different types of glasses, which can help enhance their aroma, flavor, and appearance. For example, a pint glass is ideal for IPAs and other hoppy beers, while a tulip glass is great for Belgian-style beers, and a snifter is perfect for the strong ales and wow, stouts. it's even going into the yeah. weeds about, like, glass It's types. funny how yeah. it, like, it kind of gets off-tangent a little bit and then rings it back. Let's see if it does. Next, you shall tilt your glass, hold the glass at a 45-degree angle, and pour the beer slowly down the side of the glass. Mm. This will help to prevent excessive foaming and allow the beer to pour more smoothly. Step three, straighten said glass. Once the glass is about half full, slowly straighten it and pour the remaining beer down the center of the glass. This will help create a nice head of foam. 
for adjust the head. Depending on the beer style, you may want it more or less foam. For example, a Belgian style beer may benefit from a thick, fluffy head, while a lager may be better with a thin layer of foam. <laughs> you can adjust the head by either pouring more or less aggressively, or by using a spoon to scoop out the excessive foam. <laughs> Step five is serve and enjoy. Once you've poured the beer, serve it immediately and enjoy. If you're using a bottle-conditioned beer or a beer with sediment, be careful not to pour the sediment into the glass, as this can affect the flavor and texture of the beer. Remember, pouring beer is both an art and a science. There are many factors that can affect the pour, including the temperature of the beer, the type of glass, and the carbonation level. Practice makes perfect, so keep experimenting and trying different techniques until you find that perfect pour. That literally is like a blog post that some <laughs> blog would have that about pouring a beer, like to a T. I can see it like now, just split up, a bunch of ads popping up everywhere, yeah. uh, and then like, but that's ridiculous. How do we know that it didn't just copy paste that? Yeah, I don't know. I, don't know. I guess the only thing that sounded really good. The only thing I would disagree with is I don't love the idea that you should always pour slowly down the side of the glass yeah, to reduce foam. That depends. And the other thing I it didn't like is I forgot one crucial thing. Rinse your glass. Have a clean glass. A beer clean glass. I guess they're making the assumption that you have a clean glass ahead of you. Yeah, but it went into snifters and tulips and all this stuff, but it didn't say about having a clean glass. Well, it says choose the right glass, so the right glass is a clean glass. I guess that's true. It's just the one thing it decides not to like yeah. embellish on or elaborate on is just it's always freeze your mug. <laughs> Make sure it's a nice cold frosty glass. Frosty glass. I don't know. I still yeah. I'm not. A, I can't okay. do the frosty glasses. But nah. uh, that was. I mean, I'd say that was pretty dang good. I mean, now I'm just gonna start spamming the blog with those posts. Just be like, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> All of the Instagram posts are going to be from Chat. From Chat. Chat. I mean, I can't hey. say it. Chat GPT. It is a little bit weird. What is, I wonder what GPT stands for. Giga Potato yeah. Town. What does your what name mean? What does GPT stand for? What does it stand for? Absolutely nothing. Okay. <clears throat> GPT stands for Generative Pre-Trained Transformer. It's a type of artificial intelligence model mm. that uses deep learning to generate human-like text. GPT models have been used for a variety of natural language processing tasks, such as language translation, chatbots, and text completion. Interesting. Okay, cool. Interesting. Good to know. The more you know. I'm going to take this on rounds with me, and anytime I get asked a question, I'm just going to add that into my little chat GPT and see... Chat what, GPT and what, see and see just what what is it the response? Yeah, well, what? fascinating topic, and I'm curious to see how it'll you know roll out from there. Uh, man, just a lot. I think we had ended up talking a lot of uh, about a lot more than you know what I was expecting with this, and learning about the platform as well. It's very interesting, kind of cool, kind of freaky. Yeah. <laughs> this is my first like in person. Yeah, me use too. Of it or seeing it live, I, I've just heard whispers of it um yeah even uh jen's dad is a he works for a i think it's toshiba but he is really good at coding and so like he talked about people who work using chat gpt uh to code like, write for them. code and i've seen other things on the internet about people using it for that purpose and just really interesting like the capabilities i mean really are endless because I mean, it's in the name. It's like it's it's like pre-trained, but you you kind of 
create like a, a learning space for it by asking it more questions or prompting it to mm-hmm. elaborate feeding or to it more information change yeah. or modify and so very cool yeah very interesting i don't know it's nuts yeah who who would have thought who that thunk? we'd be using it to make beer recipes <laughs> yeah well i guess we can talk about another thing that's popped up in the beer news lately uh, semi-breaking news thing as far, as far as podcasts go uh, a few days ago it was announced that New Belgium Brewing will be acquiring a facility in Daleville, Virginia that was owned by Constellation Brands which is a, a big conglomerate that produces you know a whole variety of alcoholic beverages uh, including you know several big beer brands and, and whatnot so they're purchasing that. I guess the facility was originally built by Ballast Point, uh, you know, way back. Yeah. It was originally owned by them. And then Constellation has it. And then they made things like what you were saying, like Pacifico, Corona. Modelo. Some ready-to-drink, like mixed drinks. Yeah, they had some... Tequilas, things yeah, like that. Yeah, spirits and wines and everything. I mean, uh, not. I mean, the portfolio is not super diverse as far as brands, but... Uh, Just a lot. The product of, line, yeah, I mean... Mm-hmm. Wine, spirits, and spirits, and then the RTD cocktails. Yeah, and this will add a, a big capacity for New Belgium. You know, about one hundred and twenty-five thousand barrels per year is what they're anticipated to to brew from that. And it's really a focused effort for them to expand that some further expansion of their Voodoo Ranger brands. So mm-hmm. specifically, the Space Force and Fruit Force IPAs they've had. I've had the Space Force. I've not had Fruit Force yet. Um. Pretty decent beers, but Voodoo Ranger, I mean, I think has been New Belgium's ticket here, really. It's become like a brand on its own. Yeah. I was trying to think like if other breweries of similar scope like have that kind of product line where it's like almost like a subcategory. I think Sierra Nevada kind of has it with their Little Thing series. Yes. Like, yeah. Easy Little Thing, Juicy mm-hmm. Little Thing. But definitely not to the capacity um, that no. New Belgium has with so those. so many of the Voodoo Rangers. Like, oh, you yeah. can buy a variety pack at the grocery store, and they actually have exclusive ones like once or twice a year where it's an experimental variety, mm-hmm. and it's only available in that variety pack like you get the store. So, yeah. I mean, they're constantly making new ones. But interestingly, like the facility was opened in 2017, and I'm just surprised that here are like six years later, maybe less than six years fully that yeah. they already have sold off the facility to uh, New Belgium to use for their purpose. Um, but the nice thing was that one thing I read about, I always think about these kind of acquisitions and things um, when there's like a trading of, you know, personnel and facilities. Uh, it sounds like the people who are make up about 60 employees at the Constellation Brands facility in, in Daleville. Um, I think they're going to be offered to keep jobs at uh, at the plant with New Belgium taking mm-hmm. taking lead there. And so job security is not an issue. It yeah. sounds like if people want to stay, they can. They'll find work for them. Yeah, and I think it said they said they had 60 employees at the facility that would stay for either equal or greater pay than what they were getting previously. So It's not a bad deal. Yeah, it's a good news story. And I it's think similar work, so it's not like you're changing your job Mm-mm. drastically. It's just a different, different ownership. And, yeah. yeah. And it's kind of like single market versus like different, you mm-hmm. know, a diverse portfolio. Yeah. And new Belgium really from originally from uh, Fort Collins, Colorado, 
opened a facility, I think it was like $150 million in Asheville, North Carolina, which is a beautiful uh, facility. We've been there a few times. A lot of, you know, interesting history around that when they give you the tours. You know, they talk about how it was basically tainted land from the industry that was there before, and they spent all this money cleaning it up and uh, getting everything, you know, back together and ready to to use again. Uh, expanding there and now expanding it to another site. And I'm curious if they're going to keep this as just a production facility just to expand their distribution network and to increase their capacity or if they're going to actually open up some, you know, tap rooms and some other things associated with it. So, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I imagine the Fort Collins tap room is booming all the time. The one that is in Asheville, I mean, they've grown the, the sheer size of the tap room from being just indoor with like an outdoor kind of like courtyard area to now having uh like a deck that Mm -hmm. is adjacent to the building and it overlooks the river there and it's beautiful so i mean yeah they're always bustling with people there food trucks live music um i mean obviously it's just a notable brand and so if you're in Asheville, like you you just go there like yeah it's yeah it's crazy not to stop Mm -hmm. by yeah, and it'll be crazy because their capacity is, you know, over a million bar- barrels per year of beer now, so and they're going to even increase that even further by, you know, over yeah. like 10% with if 125,000 more barrels of Voodoo Ranger. <laughs> yeah. It's just wild. That's a extreme growth, and a, uh, they're not, you know, wholly owned by their employees anymore with uh, Kieran being, you know, the owner uh, of New Belgium now, but just very interesting transitions and and how they see it and, and as i was reading into this a little bit uh i found that it's kind of a, an interesting topic like the story of new belgium so maybe we can uh do a podcast about that we'll see what chat gpt's got to say about that yeah i'll ask it you'll give ask it a, give it a nice outline for give us, us the history of new belgium brewing <laughs> lauren's gonna use chat gpt all the time now yes yeah anytime joe asks me a question i'm like stand by let me see what my AI friend tells me. <laughs> How can I get my husband to stop leaving his clothes all over the floor? Exactly. Oh, great question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get a new husband. <laughs> How do I get no, my husband to put his dirty dishes into the dishwasher instead of just I thought it was them clean. on the counter? I thought job. the dishwasher was clean and I was doing stuff. Mm. 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 Anyway, <laughs> why don't you uh, hit us up with an LC pick of the week? Maybe we should ask ChatGPT oh, what your LC pick of the week is. That's what we could do. We describe what we're tasting, smelling, observing, and then we say, "What is, what is this?" Yeah, that's nah, okay. We'll we'll take a gander at it. So, oh, that would be actually kind of interesting. Yeah, we could try that. We could do like we could. <laughs> it do we'll how we couldn't like administer and... a Cicerone test to the oh, yeah. ChatGPT. Well, I have the beer, and then the cap of this beer. I didn't uh, want anyone to know. So yeah, I, it's got I a nice sticker my, over top of it. I survived my one-hour glucose screening. <laughs> yes, Lauren is free of gestational diabetes. That sticker is. Yeah. <laughs> she does There's not. There's no reason they they gave us the sticker. I don't, I don't know yeah. why. Assume your position, sir. I mean, who doesn't want a sticker for you know going to the doctor? And I had to get a shot today. Oh man, you got a shot? Did they give you a lollipop? Just it's kidding, I was like, you didn't get one. <laughs> can, can you reach my hand from here, Lauren? Or I will reach? be able to. Okay. You will. So I'll just, just hold tight here. That sticker really impaired your ability to get the cap off, didn't it? Yeah. But I didn't want 
to give it away just in case you hadn't seen this before. Yeah, the cap on a bottle can really give it away. Oh, here we go. Oh, here we are. All right, gentlemen, you have been served. Okay. Interesting. That's what I'm going to say off the bat is interesting. Kind of getting like some orangey, citrusy vibes. Yep. Yeah, I can second that. Yeah, it's like a fermented orange juice. <laughs> yeah, because it's like not, it's almost like a, I almost think like grapefruit because grapefruit yes, has like a bitterness yeah, to it. Yeah, actually, yeah, that's I think closer to where. Okay, the taste was not what I was expecting either. Yeah, it's got almost got like a hit of umami in there. <laughs> like Umami. Umami, malty, yeah. uh, bitter. Very like heavy citrusy. malt presence yeah. in, the, in the flavor. Uh, it could be, it kind of does remind me of that grapefruit IPA that I made that one time that wasn't very good, but this is a little better than that. Hmm. What's the best buy date on this beer, just out of curiosity? I mean, I didn't purchase it that long ago. Well, I was just curious if it had been on the shelf for a while. I'm going to take a peek at it. Okay, okay so it's cl- pretty clear. Uh, very, like, crystal clear, actually. Nothing noted. Anywhere, uh, actually. What kind of, what would you say for the color on this? Well, I'd say it's, like, pretty gold. Uh, pretty persistent white head. Yeah. And it actually has, like, a, uh, it's like a pale gold, but it's not quite, like, straw color. No, it's a little bit darker. But it's like, not, like, goldenrod, like, amber here. Mm-hmm. It's more of, like leaning left to the like lighter paler side yeah what are your thoughts on uh the flavor yeah it's it does have a balance of malt and hop character but it's like i'm not getting not getting much like juicy hop flavor i'm getting more bittering Mm -hmm. and but i'm also like getting some kind of the the finish is something i can't describe yet no it's like i think it's like a west coast ipa but it's not, I got a lot of like resin to me and, and piney. It's more like citrus balanced, grapefruit, orange. And then, but just like you said, there's something that I can't quite put my finger on. I don't want to call it cheesy. I don't want to call it like that. It's just like there. <laughs> that was what made me think like the date on the beer. Yeah. You know, I could, yeah, like the cheesy part. It's not really like cheesy. It's just like. It's got some meaty quality to it, I think. Like, just something kind of yeah there, deeper. Um, Other than that, I don't have much of notes on it. It's, like, moderately bitter. Mouth feels medium, you know, yeah, medium to lighter body. Not super heavy, not super, like, cloying. Or, uh, it's a little bit drying, but just from the bitterness. And then not super aromatic or anything. So what I wrote was, <clears throat> what beer am I drinking with the citrus smell, heavy malt presence and flavor, golden straw color, moderately bitter, persistent white head? Anything you would like to add or change? What do you think, Nick? Anything? <laughs> no. After a lot of compl- contemplation, no. Hit it. Hit it. Hit it. Hit it. Wow. Okay. Interesting. I'm going to guess just American IPA. Yeah. I don't have like a nod towards West Coast, but... I won't be shocked if I'm wrong. So I'll first tell you um, what the beer is, and then I'll okay. read out what AI said. Okay. So this is Real House Brewery, um, brewed in Aberdeen, North Carolina. And this is FCA, Indian Pale Ale. It's an English-style IPA, well-balanced between the hops and English-style IPA. Interesting. Okay. That's at least what it says. It. I don't think I've ever had an English-style IPA before. Um, 
What's FCA, Fiat Chrysler of America? (laughs) Neither of you had had this um, previously per your untapped check-ins. Untapped says it has rich notes of pine, resin, and citrus, supportive firm bitterness. (laughs) I don't get any pine, resin, or citrus. (laughs) quickly into a crisp, dry finish. It has it classified as an American IPA. That was just really funny how I was like... So I kind of... (laughs) <laughs> chat gpt same page well the chat gpt also said based on the description you provided it sounds like you might be drinking an american style ipa the citrus smell could be from the use of hops such as citra or amarillo which are known for their citrusy aromas the heavy malt presence and golden straw color are also common characteristics of an american ipa which are typically brewed with pale malts that give the beer a slightly sweet biscuity flavor the moderate bitterness is a hallmark of the style, with the bitterness coming from the hops used during the brewing process. Finally, the persistent white head is another common trait of IPAs, which typically have a high level of carbonation that helps to create a thick, creamy head. Wow, pretty good, chat. GPT. Yeah. yeah, I think I'm going to incorporate this every time now to see if you can, can beat... Can we beat computers? Can, can you beat the chat <laughs> oh, no. GPT? Can we beat the computer? Probably not. <laughs> oh, especially when it gets smarter than us. Like yeah. After a few times, it's just going to be a wealth of knowledge. Now, what makes that an English style IPA is my question. There's very minimal information on the bottle. And I why does it like to drive a Fiat? <laughs> so according to beeradvocate.com, the English IPA historically was a variety of beer that uh, the colonies across the British Empire would export. But... um. I think like notable qualities about this because it has a lot of similarities to like the pale ale, but uh, to withstand voyages across the sea back in earlier times, um, they were the pale ale recipe was tweaked to be like more malty, higher alcohol content, um, and hoppier. Mm. And so, I think the hop character though tends to be more earthy and floral, which maybe that's where we're kind of getting that like that. The element we couldn't like describe, like the maybe like. I wonder if SFCA stands for Fuggle Citra Amarillo, because uh, like those Engl- English style hops yeah. usually have an earthy kind of a flair to them. Yeah. Do you know that apparently some example styles that BeerAdvocate.com lists for the English IPA include Goose Island IPA or Goose IPA, also Fuggles IPA from Shipyard Brewing. So, um. Yeah, I think there's plenty of examples of IPAs that we may not realize are more a nod to like the English style. But I kind of oh. see the earthy floral hop now that I hear about it. Like, yeah. it's hard to describe something as like floral unless it's and like just earthy. obviously yeah. so yeah. like earthy. Yeah, like maybe earthy. And that's what I think of your picking. It's funny though on on the Railhouse Brewing website they say FCA stands for. Uh, they don't come out and say that it stands that but it says uh the bold decision uh blah 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 and then it says free yourself from corporate america but the f c and a in that sentence are uh, all capitalized mm. i mean i guess america would be in freewood because it's the first letter of a sentence about corporate is <laughs> also so i think it's yeah and then it says take a sip of freedom on the bottle as well <laughs> somebody that checked this in january 4th said not too good, but didn't see feet as a flavor profile. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I think that's where that cheesy, like, earthy foot. foot, just a nice little bit of foot in there. Well, 
Well, okay. That was an interesting pick. A, a little twist on, a, on an IPA there. Nice pick, Lauren. Yeah, well, um, also, can you hand me that bottle back? But Yeah. I never had anything from Real House Brewery, but... Me either. I didn't... It also was... So, it was founded December 2010 by Army and Navy veterans. Um, Okay, cool. So, I thought that was also also interesting. Yeah, very nice. There's a couple, like, veteran-owned breweries that I know of. Big Boss. Yeah, and then, uh, is it Tobacco Road? Oh, that's... I didn't know that that one was. I think they're women veteran-owned, too. Uh, I don't know where Tobacco Road is. Uh, Isn't that the one... We've seen them at a couple of the casita places, right? Tobacco Road. Am I, or is it Tobacco something? Tobacco Road. Take me home. Take me home. To the place. I belong. Well, they're in Raleigh. I wonder if that's who I'm thinking of. Um, Tobacco Road Harley Davidson. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, interesting beer picks. No, Tobacco in, uh, Wood. Tobacco Wood. That's what it is. Tobacco Wood. Very similar naming, but Tobacco Wood. Um, they're women owned, but I think they're also women and veteran owned. Oh, cool. But, uh, yeah, so. Very cool. Very nice. All right. Well, I guess that wraps us up for our episode here. You know, we didn't say what episode number it was in the title because we did that. We did that little chat GPT intro there. Should have asked the chat GPT what episode we were on. (laughs) I don't know how it would possibly know that. Well, you try it, but I'll do the outro ask, while you're doing that. Ask Chat GPT what it learned today. <laughs> yeah, what did it? Oh yeah, what did it learn today? And I completely forgot. See, Chat GPT wouldn't have forgotten. Ask it what it learned today. Well, I learned a lot. Um, hmm. There's no context to determine what you're referring to as secondary information. <laughs> exactly. Well, thanks uh, for nothing, you... Chat GTP. GPT. Chat GPT. No. I learned that I cannot say Chat GPT without <laughs> slowing down to a snail's yeah. pace when I talk. I learned that feet is not a flavor profile and untapped. <laughs> I've learned that I need to breathe in between speaking long sentences or else I run out of air. Well, the child in between your... Well, I've noticed also that your breathing has gotten heavier now that that child was growing within you. Yeah, we're at two pounds, four I ha- ounces right now. I have now. to look at her and say, you're breathing too loud into the microphone. And then I just smother myself with a pillow mm-hmm. and, you know... That stops the breathing altogether. Perfect. Um, as an artificial intelligence language model, I don't have the ability to learn in the traditional sense. However, I'm constantly being updated and fine-tuned to my by my creators. Wow. So really Very robotic answer. Yeah. You know, cheesy actually is a check-in characteristic. Cheesy. On untapped, you can... But not feet. But not feet. Not cheesy feet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, well, I guess that wraps us up for episode number 53. Like I said before, prematurely, before we learn something, uh, you know, check us out on our socials. Hit up our website at eastcarolinabeer.com. We're on Instagram at East Carolina Beer, Facebook at East Carolina Beer and Brewing, on Twitter at East Beer. And uh, you can always send us a nice little email at eastcarolinabeer at gmail.com if you want to. Send us your thoughts. How do you pronounce uh, saf ale or safale? Uh, if you want to comment on how those brewing recipes were, we'd love to hear from you. But that's all, and we will see you in the next episode. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.